It's okay. Wow, Edward, you don't even have to yell out when you talk back to me. You can just speak with your normal voice. I mean, very, very close room. All right, guys. Well, I don't know what they're talking about in there. Tonight, we're talking about all kind of good stuff. Um, how many of you guys saw Loki this summer? Yeah? Y'all saw Loki? Y'all like Loki? Yeah, I love Loki. Yeah. I didn't watch the show. Me either. All right, for those people like Drew who didn't watch the show, you didn't watch it, Drew? Oh, I, I, right when it came out, I watched the first 30 minutes and it fell asleep. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't watch it. Okay, well, you know, the quote I'm about to say, you probably watched it. It was like in the first 30 minutes. Um, okay, so in Loki, for those of you guys who haven't seen it, you haven't seen it ahead, okay, well, this is what I'm going to explain to you. Don't worry. Um, in Loki, I don't know if you guys have watched the Avengers, you know who Loki is. It's Thor's brother. He's the guy who wears green and the gold horns. Um, he got his own TV show on Disney Plus this summer. And in that show, you know, it gets really complicated with like how Marvel works. But basically, this is like alternate universe Loki. And, uh, and in this universe, Loki deviates from what he's supposed to be doing, right? Like, it's from the end of Endgame. He picks up the Tesseract. And he steps back, and the, you know, he teleports. Well, this picks up right after that. And so, basically, if you think about Marvel, there's like one timeline, one universe where everything's supposed to happen, where all the superheroes are, where all the movies we watch are. Um, and, and, and the show follows this idea of what if someone did something that they weren't supposed to do, basically. Like, what if Loki picks up the Tesseract? Like, basically, what if he wins versus the Avengers? Or what if other stuff happens? And then, and, and what happens is this, this, government thing called the TVA, the Time Variance Authority, they step in and they like zap it. Like, you just like, you just get like obliterated. I don't know where you go. They just, I mean, I know where you go, but whatever. And so they just kind of walk up and they're like, oh, Sam, you, you didn't do your homework tonight? Well, that deviated from the main timeline. And they just like stab you, you dissolve, and like throw a bomb, and like your whole world dissolves. And they just keep the proper flow of time. Well, so anyway, Loki is at the time variance authority, and he's with Owen Wilson, the guy from Cars. You know, wow, wow. Owen Wilson, he's there, and he's showing Loki all these different, basically, options, all these different choices, all the way his life played out. And every time, he's like killing his mom, or he's like killing his brother, or like bringing on Ragnarok to his to his home, or like. Basically, he's just always up to no good. And Loki is the god of mischief. Obviously not real god. But um, what I'm getting at is this line that Mobius says to him when he's showing him, like, look, you've been nothing but bad. You can't convince me you're not bad. He says, you weren't born to be king, Loki. You were born to cause pain and suffering and death. That's how it is. That's how it was. That's how it will be. It's like in the first 30 minutes, it's right up your alley. Um, but like, that, that kind of struck a chord with me. And so we're gonna, we're kind of gonna live in that tonight, but you know, the rest of the show, the rest of the show kind of follows how normal TV works, right? Like, he's told, oh, you're the worst. You know, everything you do always ends up, we get to see all the timelines, everything you do ends up bad. Everything you do ends up with someone dying or something going wrong, you're just a bad dude. Um, and of course, he finds out a way to, 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 to be good and to redeem himself and find his inner goodness, to find like, you know, true love or hope or some junk. He like falls in love with another Loki who's a girl, so like, 
who loves himself. It's weird. And they like together throw down the time variance authority and show people that, you know, I'm not, you don't put me in a box. I'm not all bad. I can do good. Um, and that's how a lot of movies end, right? Like that's how, that's just how a lot of them go, right? Like I'm thinking zombie movies. Anybody watch zombie movies? But like, okay, like any kind of movie where like, you know, I, don't, I can't even think of one, but it's like, you know, oh, we just, if humanity gathers, gathers up and, and really finds the one hope, we'll like survive Jurassic Park. We'll survive because you've got- Star Wars? Star Wars, yeah. You just, there's just that Luke Skywalker out there. One good guy who can overcome all the evil in the world, right? No. There's another. <laughs> there's another, right? But so like, there's that theme that, per, that, that, that kind of invades our thoughts and all that we're watching, right? This idea that like, down inside, deep down, we're basically all good. How many of y'all can get on, on board with that? With that, if I said humanity as a whole is basically all good. <laughs> yeah, good. You can tell. You can hear the sarcasm in my voice, right? We're gonna go down a road tonight that kind of breaks that idea down. That kind of flies in the face of, well, we're all kind of good, right? Um, and you may be able to say no, but do we act like it? Like we kind of like, you know, like I'm not Loki, right? I'm not Hitler. I'm not, you know, bad people, right? Like I'm not, you know, I'm not the worst kid in school, right? I know kids who get attention, or you know, if I'm homeschooled, I know Patton knows this, right? Like Edward's the bad, like I'm the good kid at school. And we kind of think to ourselves along these lines, like. Um, I'm not the worst kid out there. You know, I'm only a kid. I, I'm not, like, how can I be bad? You know, I think I'm pretty good. Like, if I, if I had a record of, like, all the good things I've done and all the bad things I've done, I think I'm, like, outweighing maybe good to bad, right? Um, no? Oh, okay. Well, maybe you'll be on board with what we got tonight because um, we're going to look at Romans 3 tonight. And uh, Paul's going to say some stuff and we're going to sit in it, and we're going to do what we've been doing and um, at youth so far, which is what we want to constantly reinforce, which is like, okay, I hear something, I think of an idea, I encounter something in my life, let me come here, let me come here, and just let me just see what this has to say. Um, so that's what we're going to do tonight, and we're going to, we're going to pray first, and then we're going to jump in, and we're going to read the Word of God, and we're going to see um, what does Paul have to say to the Romans here in Romans 3. And how does that apply to you? So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we get to gather here tonight. I'm thankful, Lord, that you've given us your word, God. You've given us something that we can stand on, something that we can look back at, some kind of truth. Um, I thank you for gathering these kids here tonight, God. I thank you for um, letting them or their parents bring them here, take time out of their schoolwork or out of their, their busy week with all the sports and with all the activities they're doing. And, and they're going to come here and they're going to listen to something that you have to say, God. I thank you for that. Um, I ask, Lord, that you would give them eyes to see, ears to hear this word, God, that you would, that you would open their minds afresh with new understanding. For those of them who have some kind of understanding of this idea and this truth, I, I would just ask that you would renew them, God, that you would um, restore this kind of thinking into their life. Um, for those of you, I mean, for those of them who haven't heard it, God, I ask that you would that you give them 
you know, great understanding, God, and that they would in turn seek your face. Um, I ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, tonight, since we're in here, the room is a little, like, different, so we're going to try this out. We got a little pointer. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Wait. Stephen, does that mean you're sinning now? Hmm? Oh, get this, get this sinning pastor off the stage. <laughs> yeah. We're all sinners. As soon as you understand that, the better off we'll be. This is what we're talking yeah. about tonight, so I'm glad y'all picked up on it. But right, this flies right in the face of what we were just talking about, right? Of what these movies, or what, you know, these, like, just stories that you read and just pop culture has to say, right? It's like, and, that, and it gets, it, it, that idea just kind of, like, puts its roots in all different ways of life without us ever even knowing. And Paul says basically the complete opposite. I mean, I don't know if it gets much worse than this. Not even are we not righteous. We don't even do anything good. No one does. And, like, he, if he's like, in case we were wondering, like, oh, but like, right, like, just maybe Paul was like, you know, like everybody does this, like, just kind of hyperbolically, like exaggerating. Just in case you're wondering, no, not one. Okay. Um, so context. We gotta talk about context. We gotta talk about context. Paul is speaking to the Roman church, and many people. This is Paul, like Romans. Like, if you want to know anything, if you want to know anything about the gospel. This is Paul's, like, probably most fleshed out theology. Big word for, like, things about God. Like, this is Paul's most systematic approach to the gospel and he's in this letter to the Romans. In these first three chapters, he's describing the lay of the land. He's giving the Romans um, broader perspective on all of human race, on, like, what our condition is. Our condition. And so, if you want to go even further back, you can flip to, like, the first couple pages of your Bible. Like, today, I usually have a study Bible, and so, like, there's a lot of, like, junk, not junk, but, like, a lot of stuff in the beginning, so I have, like, some time to flip. Today, I was literally, like, I had to, like, turn the first page, turn the second page, and it was, like, because I'm using this thin line Bible, Genesis 3. The fall. That's the subtitle. It's Adam and Eve sinning. And so, 
what is going on is Paul is describing the state of humanity after the fall. Right? Adam and Eve are entrusted with the garden. God gives them all these things. He says you can't eat of the fruit. Or they do. They eat of the fruit. From that moment on, though it was said, if you eat of the fruit, you would die. They don't die, right? They keep living. What was mentioned was spiritual death. Separation from God. And what happens is this. Now, no one's righteous. No one understands. Not only do we not understand, we can't even seek after God. We can't even do anything good. All of us have turned aside. Um, it's like the whole well got poisoned, right? It's like, um, I tried to think of this earlier. This might be bad because I don't know a lot about baking. Rebecca usually helps me bake. But it's like, it's like as if you replaced all of the sugar with salt. And then you made the cookies you didn't realize. And now it's like, well, I can't like unmake the cookies, right? Like, all the whole batch, every cookie I cut out is bad. Every one of us, because we, we come from Adam and Eve, have this condition. We're falling, right? Like, this is what Paul later in some of his letters talks about, like, the flesh. That is what this is getting at. Um, we're all poisoned. I think I have this up here. Um, I think of it as like the poison, like our hearts have been poisoned. And Jeremiah, here we go. Jeremiah says, no, that's the New City Catechism. <laughs> Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's the kind of, that's the kind of thing I think of when I think of the fall. Like all of our hearts have been poisoned. Like it's sick. Our heart is, is sick. There's something wrong with it. And so, um, let's just look at, we'll just go back to our, our main passage. We're just going to spend some time looking at, like, some of these phrases, and then I'm going to say, okay, well, how is this important to you, right? Like, how does this affect me as a middle schooler, basically? Um, and so, none is righteous, no, not one. Okay, you might be wondering, like, why is this all written in this, like, like, like you said, the Dr. Seuss kind of thing? Um, what's going on here is that Paul is basically like, I don't know if any of you guys have had to write like papers yet, and you have to like cite your sources. Sam knows what I'm talking about. Citations. This is like Paul, like basically pulling out the receipts, right? Like he's pulling out some citations. He's like he's showing off his Old Testament, his Old Testament knowledge. Like this, none is righteous, no, not one. That comes from like Psalm 14. Um, that's the only one I really looked up after that because there was like a ton. There was just like like. I don't know if you guys know this, when you read your Bible, there's like these little minuscule letters. Yep. And then you look in the side, it's like all of the different, like if you look in your Bible for this one, there's like Psalm 14, Psalm 53, Psalm 5, 9, Psalm 14, Psalm 10, Proverbs 1, like it just keeps going. Like there's a lot. Um, and so Paul is just kind of roping them all together and saying, here's what, here's what we look like, right? Like for the Jews out there, you've heard of, you know, you know the Psalms, you know the Proverbs. Here's a little collection of what they have to say and for all you Gentiles. Um, this, is, this is what the condition of humanity is. Um, so none is righteous. You know, righteous is kind of a big word, right? Righteous. Um, what I think of it is like our legal standing before God, like God the judge. Like we are, um, Paul elsewhere calls it the wages of sin. What we do is thought of as like a wage, and the wage of sin is death. So God sits as the judge, and he goes, okay, um, who's righteous? And to be righteous, you have to have, like, 
Like your report card has to be flawless. Not like, okay, I took 10 tests, got all the answers right on all of them, and I got one question wrong, so I really got like a 99.999999. No. The, the requirement of the law for righteousness, to be seen as righteous, is 100%. And so that, that becomes a little more clear. You can go, okay, I, I can get on board with that, right? Um, the New City Catechism, if you're wondering what a catechism is, me and Aaron keep talking about catechism, just a quick side note. Does anyone know what a catechism is? Rachel. I like that. The thing you did in fifth grade. Drew? Uh, where you answer the questions. It is in question form. You probably did it in fifth grade. What did you do? What did you do? What did you said, but basically it's um, made by, sometimes it's made by the church for people, but most of the time, most of the time it's theology-based questions about things in everyday lives, that, and then you answer those questions and put down answers that are, and it's been made to be memorized. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty much covers it. It's a list of question and answer type document where the church, you know, sometimes it's old, like the new city catechism. It's new. The new city catechism is new, right? Like the Gospel Coalition came together and they thought of, let's get all these Christian minds together, let's write a catechism. But a lot of them are old, and they're written by old church fathers. And basically, it's just question and answer. They go, these are the questions that most people have, these are the answers you should give, and memorize them. Memorize deep theological truths, and that's why you start doing it in fifth grade, so that the little kids can start picking up on it um, and go, you know, why was I made? And then they have these very strict, like, textbook answers. So, what does the New City Catechism have to tell us? I like it because basically it was made by a bunch of other smart people who know the Bible, who's not me. And it says, can anyone keep the law of God perfectly? Answer. Let's read it together so it'll be more interactive. Since the fall... No mere human has been able to keep the law of God perfectly, but consistently breaks it in thought, word, and deed. So a catechism, like Edward said, is very profound. It's just like hanging on every word, right? You consistently break it in thought, word, and deed. It's like Paul. It's covering all the bases. Like, just in case you thought, well, I didn't do it. I may have thought something bad. No, no, no. You can just break the law in thought, word, and deed, right? When Jesus came, he said, oh, okay, you guys think, the Pharisees, you guys think you're doing right? You think you're doing the law well? If you even think about being angry at someone, you murdered them. If you even look at a girl wrong and lusted, you've already committed adultery. And so this, basically, it's like, oh, wow, like, okay, okay, none of us are righteous. No, not one. Um, and so, like, you may be thinking, okay, I can get on board with what you're saying. I can kind of agree. But still, I feel like in all of us, there's this, like, thought that's like, I'm not that bad. Like, I know what you're saying about other people, but, like, me? Really? Um, and so, for you guys who go to Alpha, has anyone gone to Alpha? Okay, good. This seems like my own original thought. I plagiarized it. No, I'm not. But... Frank Loria, one of our, your grandfather, he does Alpha, and since a little kid, this is like my version of a catechism, I feel like. I used to go to every Alpha, and my, my parents got saved at Alpha, and I would record the video on the camera for Alpha. And so like, I know all of these, like, these illustrations and stuff, and Frank has not changed his material in like 10 years. 
But he, he, and he said it again last night because I was working out, and it reminded me, and I said, I gotta, I gotta talk about that tomorrow. Um, he gives this illustration of when he's reminding us of our separation from God, our un, unsurmountable debt, how you know we've all messed up. He says, to kind of get you into thinking about this, this, this way, imagine if you know this TV was above my head and there was like a cord sticking into the back of my neck. And it was just displaying all of my thoughts. Like, I didn't say it, but like they just popped up, right? Like, this is not like, okay, this, that's a little old school to me. So let's think of something cooler. Like, maybe you got like a hologram over your head. Um, maybe like Edward, Star Wars, you got like a hologram of your thoughts. They're just boop, 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 going off all the time. And we just said, you consistently break it in thought, word, and deed. So thoughts count. Um, how many of you guys are starting to see, oh, I may be sitting a little more than I think, right? Mom tells me to do this homework. I hate you. You're annoying. You're a loser. I'm not doing that. Whoa. Uh, Patton tells me a joke. Not funny. Fake laugh. Like, no. Like, now he knows, right? It's like, it's like oh, okay. Um, I'm really mad at Drew. Murder, murder, murder. It's like, right, well, Jesus just said I committed murder just for thinking about it, right? Like, so you start to see, oh, okay. And so, and a way to think about it is, try just going one day with that kind of knowledge, like that kind of example going on, like, just, okay, let me pretend like there's a thought on my head. If anyone see, like, what I want people to see, what I'm thinking, and try to go one day with being like, I'd be cool with everyone seeing what I'm thinking, right? Try going one day without sinning. And you start to see, oh, okay, maybe, I mean, you, you might be like, you might be thinking, I could do it a week. I'm telling you, try it one day. I mean, an hour might only be possible because I can go to sleep, right? Um, but like a day, like, man, I'd be messing up ASAP. Like, I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, uh, like, I mean, I don't know if I'm saying, uh, the same, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, it's just crazy. Like, you start to think, you start to see, okay, uh, maybe, maybe I am a little worse off, right? If the requirement of the law to be righteous is is perfection, then, then wow, okay, now I'm starting to get into it. Um, and so you may be thinking, that's bad, okay, I, I mess up, but it gets worse, right? Let's go back to Romans 3. Um, no one understands, no one seeks for God. Okay, so not only can I not be righteous, but even if I tried in my natural state, I cannot even seek after God. I can't even understand the things of God. Right? Go read the New Testament. You hear this all the time with Jesus talking about Pharisees not understanding what he's saying. He talks about um, only people coming to him who the Father gives him. How, like, you know, he's a light. We're all in the dark. Like, like, it just gets, like, no one understands. No one seeks for God. So just as, like, adding on to our condition, one more piece that's like, okay, I don't even, you know, I don't really understand the righteousness thing, but I could maybe see I could try doing good. Uh, no. no one understands. No one even seeks for God. No one does good. Not even one. Um, and so Ephesians 2, Paul again, says this. It says, loading screen. It says, and you were dead 
in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, past tense, he's talking to believers, following the course of this world. So the course of the world, the condition of the world, is spiritual death. You were dead in your trespasses. Can a dead person seek for something? Okay, see, that seems like old. Okay. Um, trying to think of an example. Drew, could a dead person teach you the award? No. Um, could a dead person uh, drive you to church tonight? How many of you think you could beat a dead person in knockout or in around the world? Oh, it's not very hard, right? Like they're not doing anything, and so so they can't do right. Like they can't even. This helps illustrate this idea of death helps illustrate, okay, not only am I in wrong standing, I've sinned, but I'm dead. I can't, a dead person can't see. A dead person can't understand. Go try to teach a dead person um, how to play tape, uh, ping pong. Like, like, right, like, there's, like, there's just nothing going on. Like, I hear a lot of this illustration of, like, you know, oh, I was drowning in, like, a, like in the sea of, like, you know, th I'm thinking of, like, the sea of Galilee, thinking of, like, a dark net. Like, I'm drowning, hold on, Edward. Uh, time for questions, and it's like, but you know, I was drowning in my sin and in like my suffering, and I saw God, and you know, I just stuck my hand out, He grabbed me, and He pulled me up. Um, what did we just say? He was dead. No, no, no. You weren't drowning. You were drowned. Past tense. You were a lifeless corpse floating <laughs> along the water when Jesus pulled you out. If you're a believer, when Jesus brought new life into you, you weren't seeking after God. Right? Because this gets into some stuff that we're not gonna we're not gonna fully dive into, but there's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and He He is moving our hearts and, and working our minds so that we even like the things of God, so that we even go, hey, I'm gonna read this, right? It's the prompting of the Spirit that tells us, hey, I'm gonna look to the Bible and see what this has to say. Because there's nothing in us, Paul says, nothing that is seeking after God. There's nothing in us that wants to do good. Um, and so <clears throat> Right, this, this passage is just, I mean, compared to what we started with, right? Like, this passage is like as if Loki started, and they're like, you're all bad. And he was like, yep, and the show ended, right? Like, there's no redemption. There's nothing he could have done with that by himself. Um, and so I kind of think of this as like, okay, this is something that is kind of hard to understand, right? It doesn't seem like it applies to me right now, but to me... It's extremely fundamental, right? Um, you guys are in math, right? Everyone should be in math at this age. There's no one like, everyone's doing math. I know Rebecca's not doing math. Me and Rebecca don't do math anymore. No, I'm talking about math in school, right? Like, you, like once you get to college, you can just be like, peace out, and not do math anymore. Um, but can you add without knowing how to count? Okay, let's take a step further. Can you multiply without knowing how to how to add, without even knowing what numbers are? Not really. Just go along with me. Like, okay, fine, we'll take it a step further. Like, what's the what's the most amount of math y'all are in right now? I don't know the 
Algebra 1, okay, perfect. Can you do algebra without knowing how to add, multiply, divide? No. No. Right? Like, you can't begin to add letters into the math if you don't even know how to do it with numbers. And, I'm, and, like, and you're going to be in algebra when you go to algebra 2? You can't do algebra 2 without knowing algebra 1. You can't do pre-calculus without knowing algebra 2. You can't do calculus without doing pre-calculus. You can't do calculus 2 without doing calculus. You can't do multivariable calculus without doing calculus 2. You can't do differential equations without doing multivariable calculus. You can't do linear algebra without doing differential equations. Right? And so it's like, whoa, that's a lot of math. Steven's, Steven's nerd just showed. He went to Emory. There's a lot of maths. Um, so what I'm trying to say is, to understand the gospel, you got to understand right, the lay of the land. you got to understand the condition that we're in. Um, that's why Paul does it in Romans 1 through 3. He's telling us stuff that we need to know. Because the gospel doesn't make sense without these like fundamental truths. You know, for some of us, like I, I thought of the math thing because this doesn't really stick with me, but I'll say it anyway. Um, like, you know, Keith on Sundays, maybe you don't know because whatever, but he keeps talking about building your life on solid ground. Like, I'm not in construction. My dad does construction. I know maybe some of y'all's dads do construction. My, my dad doesn't do construction. I mean, my, my dad doesn't, but I don't. So I don't know what it takes to build a house. You can tell me to build a house on solid ground. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, Louisiana is not solid ground at all, and we all built our houses here, so we must be foolish. But, right, like, I, that doesn't stick to me, but it's the same principle, right? Building your house, building your life on solid ground is much better than building it on sand or on rocks or something that's like when the wind and the waves push, um, you get knocked down. Um, and so let's just go for third because we love things in threes. I thought of this today, you know, Rebecca, when I was telling her about it, she's like, if you can think of that, you can like, I don't know where I thought of it, yeah, but God works in mysterious oh, ways. But um, like painting, does anyone paint? Yes? So um, what are some paints they use? Uh, acrylic, I use oil, and I use watercolor. Okay, so you use watercolor. Yeah. Um, could you put watercolor like on that wall right there? Yeah, but it wouldn't look pretty. It wouldn't right? Stay. It wouldn't it stay. Would it would run. It would, it would not look pretty. Yeah. For some of the guys out there, it's like, you know, I gave you two examples. This is for them. Um, but right, like for those of you who paint, it's like you need the right background for watercolor to work, right? Like you use a canvas or like a piece of paper. Like you need the right paper for the paint to stick on and to like it paint the beautiful picture. I'm assuming you paint beautiful pictures that you wanted to, right? Like if it doesn't stick, you're not gonna get like the idea. I can tell uh, Amelie, go go use your watercolors and try to paint on the wall like a picture of something, and then we're gonna have Judah guess what it is. Um, if, it, if you use the watercolors on something that's not gonna work at the wall, Judah's not gonna guess what it is, right? And so what I'm saying, it's like the same thing, like if we don't understand, like this is the backdrop, like in painting, this is the backdrop, this is the canvas of which the gospel lands into our life. If the gospel is the paint, we're not gonna see the beautiful picture of the gospel. We're not gonna understand. We're not gonna see it right. Um, we're just gonna look at it and be like, "Yo, what is that?" The watercolors running. All the colors look brown now. They all just mix together. It's like this is ugly. Um, and so this is why I feel like it's important for us to talk about it tonight. This is why this stuff matters. And so we're gonna look at a quote. Okay. 
that. That, so basically what I just told you guys about your condition, about you basically being bad, you thought you were bad, you're actually way worse than you thought, and then even if you were bad, I just told you, you can't even do anything good, like, you're like, whoa. Um, that's very discouraging, of course, to contemplate, to think about. And it's not the end of the story, but it's not the end of the story. It's just the beginning. It's the bad news that stands as the backdrop to the spectacularly good news of the gospel, which brings life and hope. Though we are unable to keep the law of God perfectly, there is one who kept the law perfectly for us. Jesus faithfully obeyed his Father, uh, even to the point of death on the cross, so that we who trust alone in him might no longer live under the guilt, power, and bondage of sin, but be set free. Jesus said, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And though we fell on Adam, we have been raised with Christ. So the fall I mentioned, though we have fallen, in Christ we've been risen, right? That, that imagery. Knowledge of God, oh, that's wrong. We're confident that God who raised Jesus from the dead is lovingly at work in us and won't let us go until the day when he brings us into his everlasting presence and glory, where we will no longer struggle. There, we will finally, fully, and freely obey the one who made us and redeemed us. Um, and so that, you know, I just thought that was a great transition, right? Like, I just, you know, it's a little discouraging to hear all of humanity sucks. Right? Like, we're all bad. Um, everyone's bad. Everyone's heart is poisoned. We're desperately sick. Um, so I give you a lot of bad news, but that's why this bad news is worth telling, because of the good news that follows, right? Um, and so <clears throat> that is where... Um, sorry, let's see. Maybe it's a trick to collect. That is why we should care about this. That is why this stuff matters. Um, you may stay away from passages like this in Romans, right? You may stay away from passages that like kind of don't really vibe with you, that don't really add up to what you're thinking. Um, it takes a little deep thought to think, oh, I gotta know about what God demands, I gotta know how I fall short, and I gotta know about this condition before the gospel makes sense. And so, this, this truth is where I want us to land, the truth of the gospel. And so, <clears throat> I want us tonight to think about our condition. I want you to spend time later this week thinking about you and about your sin. Um, I want us to think about it because of the gospel. And, you know, I put some application in here for... Okay, so, you know, the gospel is a big term, but how does it, you know, enter into my daily middle school life, right? And so what I came in mind with, what I've been praying about, what was on my heart while I was preparing this, was this truth is like glasses, right? I've talked about it, to understand the gospel. But because the gospel permeates so many areas of life, um, if we don't understand the gospel, we, if we have a painting that's a bad picture, and then we go into the real world. Let's say Amelie was trying to paint us a map and she painted her watercolors on something where they all slid off. How helpful of a map would that be? 
right? You guys as middle schoolers are about to enter in to real life. How many of you guys are going to high school soon? Right, Drew, you guys? And then after high school, guess what? You're gonna go to college, and then you're gonna, that's it. You're gonna be in the real world. And so I'm, I'm sure all, some of you already are thinking like, whoa, high school. Like, whoa, no? But like, right, there's like, there's new territory, there's new challenges that come with high school. And so if we get this map painted for us, right, if we get the gospel, which, you know, you, this is why um, knowing this truth matters, because when we sing songs like we did tonight, when we hear prayers like we do every day, um, we don't take them for granted. We know where we came from. We know the condition of our hearts. We know the conditions of the world. And that stuff starts to become more clear, starts to matter, starts to hit closer to home. Building your life, right, what was the line? Um, and I will trust in you alone. Um, Right, like if you just think that, you could go, okay, yeah, like I'll trust God. But when you start to understand the heart is deceitful above all else, you go, oh, maybe I shouldn't trust my heart. Maybe I should trust God. And so when you start thinking about all the different ways that this stuff can just like enter into your life, right? Like, okay, um, like it's just like I was having trouble writing them down because like there's so many different possibilities, right? But you're about to enter into the world, and guess what? Um, to get serious for a second, we're young. That means the people older than us, they're going to die. Uh, I told you guys that you sin, And guess what? That means your sin your con has consequences that not only could negatively affect you, but could affect others, right? Um, that also means, I told you everyone sins. That means someone's going to sin against you. In high school, maybe your friends uh, all leave you. And, and you feel lonely, and you're like, what did I do? They just all abandoned me. Uh, that's going to suck. And that's because people are sinful. Um, and maybe it is something that you did, right? In that same example, you, you, you made everyone mad. You did something awful. Your sin. So you're going to start walking through life, and you're, start gonna, you're gonna start bumping into stuff. And it's going to get harder and harder. And maybe some of you guys have already bumped in to, like, hard truths of life, Right? Like harsh things, hurtful things, um, things that make you despair of life itself, right? And, and my, my heart for you guys is that if you understand this, if you understand the world is broken, people are broken, people are sick, I'm sick, then the good news of the gospel becomes good news. You start to understand the world better. You start to see the world through a different set of lens, right? It's like everything was blurry, and you're just walking in the dark, like, just getting knocked out, getting knocked around, and then we flip the lights on, and now you can, like, see, you might still be punched in the face. Like, I don't know, I'm just thinking of, like, a lock-in game with all the lights out, and, like, you just get whacked in the face. Okay, that kind of sucks. Let's say it keeps happening over and over again. You might, like, just quit. You might just want to go home. Um, but when the lights are turned on, you can see what happens. You still might get punched in the face in this imaginary game, right? Like, life is still going to hurt, but you're going you're gonna to have a way to evaluate things, to, to, to understand life through the, the perspective of the gospel, and it's going to make things make more sense. It's, it, it may not always make sense, but you're going to have something to fall back on. Your house might blow in the wind, but you're going to be set on solid ground. Um, and so, this is that other quote. I just thought like this quote kind of like captures both sides of the coin. 
Knowledge of God without knowledge of man's wretchedness begets pride. Um, so basically, knowledge of God without knowing that you're bad, a shallow gospel, if you will, like just thinking you're good, everyone's good, but God came to save us, I don't really know what for, begets pride. Meaning like, it results in pride. Like, oh, I'm good. Like, I'm good. Like, I do good things. I'm talented. I'm gifted. Um, my life's awesome. Um, and pride enters into a bunch of different stuff. All right, like, knowledge of God without knowledge of man's wretchedness begets pride, results in pride. But knowledge of man's wretchedness without knowledge of God begets despair. What I just said, if, if you come away from tonight thinking, oh, all Stephen told me was that like everyone is bad and I'm bad and we're all bad and that's not good for God and that's the state of the world, like that's going to beget despair. When you start to, to knock into stuff, you start to, to come into hard stuff, you realize, okay, um, that is, is not good. But knowledge of Jesus Christ, so knowledge of the gospel, furnishes man knowledge of both at the same time. So a right understanding of Christ and a right understanding of why he came, why he had to come, what he actually did, gives us knowledge of God and knowledge of man's wretchedness at the same time in a beautiful way. Um, and so, I, you know, we're going to close here. We're going to close with, um, <clears throat> with that last thought. And I'm going to pray for two types of people tonight. I'm going to pray for people who knew this, right? I came into the room... And there's a couple of you guys who, when I said, is, is, man, is man really good? Y'all said, uh, no. There's something in y'all that you, you knew. Maybe it was just my sarcastic tone, but you knew. Yeah, I don't think this is where this is heading tonight. Like, we're not all good, right? And if you're a Christian, if you've been born again, if God's raised you from spiritual death and brought you into spiritual life, you have some kind of understanding of this. There was some moment where you kind of felt your sin. You kind of felt how your sin, it was really there, and you kind of felt this, this guilt because you understood that it made a separation between you and God. Maybe you didn't understand it all in those terms, but, but you've had an understanding of this. And there's a second group of people in here who maybe you, you don't even, like, this is new information for you. You really thought the world was made of decent people, pretty good people, people who could make it by. Um, maybe you thought you were pretty good. And so I wanna pray for two people tonight. One, the person who this is common knowledge, that it would lead us back, right? Like last week, Aaron did this. Like he was like, my life goes like this. Like if this is the path I'm going on, it goes like this. You know, and for maybe for some of you guys that are like right here, this kind of brings you back in. You start to, you, this reminds you of the beauty of the gospel or reminds you of what Jesus' sacrifice actually meant. Because you don't have time to get into every detail of the gospel. You can't go through Romans 1 through 16. You can only spend time in, in Romans 3 tonight. And so, I hope that this brings you back. I'm going to pray that we, that we get brought back. And then for the people who haven't heard this, I hope that, like, it sparks some interest. That you lean in, you go, I want to hear the rest of what Paul has to say. Like, if Paul, this is just the beginning of the letter. If, like, this is, like, book one of, like, Harry Potter. Like, I'm just learning the world. Like, I, I want to get in, and I want to read to seven, right? Because maybe you've only ever heard, like, I thought of this today, too. Like, like imagine, like, just hearing the end of the story. Like, like, if you just read, Edward, you like Star Wars, huh? If you just watched the one where, like, Luke Skywalker kills Darth Vader, would, like, would it be as cool? Nah. No. He doesn't kill him, but, like, you know, he fights the Sith, and, he, and, then, he, and then Darth Vader dies, and, like, oh, would that be cool? 
No. Well, if you just watch the part where it goes, you find out Luke is Darth Vader's son. Would that be cool? Okay. So who are these Ewoks? Wait, wait. Okay, okay, that was it. Okay. Um, or if, if we don't like Harry Potter, if you just found out at the end that Harry beats Voldemort, like, would that matter to you? He does. He does. He does. He does. He does. Probably. I just read the book. Not. I know. I didn't even read. <laughs> well, I didn't tell you how or what. Like, you have to believe in the good guys, right? Yeah. No. No. I didn't tell you anything about it. I didn't even say anything. I just said beats. What could beat mean? Anyway, but right, like, that's what I want us to do. If, if this is your first time hearing about this truth, about how men are and how we are as a, as, a, as, a, as a race, I want you to lean in, and I want you to start picking this up and figuring out what God has to say about the rest of it. Because I don't have enough time to present the whole of the gospel. But I, that's, that's my prayer. So um, let's bow our heads, and I'm going to pray. And then... Okay, but I don't know because you know if I'm going long, Aaron probably goes even longer. So we're gonna have to hang out here or the next room. No ping pong. Because look, wait, shh. Well, you could just throw this your shame. Yeah, Aaron's so bad. So I'm gonna pray, and let's just hang out. If you guys have questions, you can come ask me. I don't know if you have questions. Hopefully you have questions. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, and then we'll just hang out. I'm going to wave to them politely. We won't yell like maniacs. Okay. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that you sent your son. God, when we come into contact with this reality, and you remind me of my own sin, makes the gospel that much sweeter. It makes Jesus' sacrifice and Jesus' life that much more real and rich. And so I pray, Lord, that for those of us tonight who are in my boat, who, who have heard this truth and who have you brought to life and they, they understand, they have some kind of understanding of things about, I pray, Lord, that this, would, that this would bring them right back. It may be painful to remember our sins and for, to have you remind us but Lord, it brings us closer to you, and it gives us greater love for Jesus. So I pray for that, God. I pray for those of us that you would that you show us our sin, as painful as it may be. You show us the, the hidden evils of our heart, and that it would bring us closer, it would draw us closer to your Son. Give us a deeper, richer um, experience in Christ, God. And then for those of us in the room, God, who haven't heard this, Lord, I pray that you would just you would start just pricking their heart. You would just start. Lord, showing them little things, showing them their sin, showing them um, just maybe they start coming in contact, but they start thinking about the, the, the teleprompter above their head, and they start thinking, maybe, maybe I'm worse off than I thought. Um, I ask God that you lead them to your word, that your spirit would move in their hearts, and they have curiosity, Lord, to read your word. And in that, Lord, that your spirit would move, Lord, and bring a dead person to life. So I ask those things, Lord, tonight in your son's name. Jesus. Amen. Alright guys.